Ariel, listen to me. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. Hello and welcome to Cure. Let's Fix Football this week. Uh, this is your host, Gabe Lezra. I'm joined um, by Evan Matier. Evan, not as much to talk about considering everything that went down over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it was a little bit of a slow week. I think that, um, I mean, like the top six in England, a lot like four of the top six played each other. Um, but I, for top teams playing each other, I don't actually think you learned that much in England this week. And, you know, same thing in Germany, right? You had Bayern and Dortmund play each other. And I don't, I don't know. I did, it just didn't really feel like there were yeah. a lot of monumental European results this no, week. No, not really. And that's good because we actually spent a long time last show talking about Europe. So we're going to do a quick Europe one and then get into some MLS stuff. And then we got like one of the all time great bad takes. It's a whole video. We're going to get into it. It's going to be great guys. Um, all right. So. Before any of this, my dude, I, I just want to say for today's show, I am sipping on, not even sipping, I'm, I am going to town on a moonshine uh, that Eleanor brought back for me from Tennessee, peach-flavored moonshine that is surprisingly girly flavored for something of like 80 proof. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I kind of hate peach-flavored everything, um, I don't, so I don't know it's if totally I would fair. dig it, but... But I am on board with all the different moonshines. I'm 100% supportive of that. I think that, you know, apple, what is it, apple pie moonshine, big this, fan. Yeah, dude. This one is called Sugarland Shine from oh my gosh. Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which is like, of course, it's from Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Wait. so lo- I've been out to Gatlinburg before. It's freaking beautiful there. I'm sure it is. And it makes very solid moonshine. How, so you're drinking, you told me before the show, you drink some very Texas shit. I am doing. I'm I'm double fisting Texas beverages here. So I, I I'm starting off with a shot of 1838. Oh, and I'm knocking it on the microphone. <laughs> starting off with a uh, uh, a glass of 1838 whiskey. They call it Texas bourbon. I'm sorry, Texas. That's a fake thing. That it's not real. It's not real, guys. Yeah. It's not real. You. I know you can call it bourbon. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. No. You just you just shouldn't. Just but like the fucking people that try, call call their shit champagne or scotch and like it's not. Man, yeah, bourbon is made not. in Tennessee. Is Kentucky, Kentucky. Mm. But anyway, so whatever. But it's but but as far as whiskey goes, it's good. So I'm drinking that, good. and it's cheap too. The Stacey, and then I've whiskey. got a, uh, and then I've got whiskey. a, I've got a beer to, to to take me home. It's Lone Star beer. That's the most Texas shit ever. You should go down, it, like you should get a pickup truck and put a huge like Texas flag on the back with like in so, front of your gun rack. I sh- so what I really love about it is it it's like it's kind of slogan on the beer is the national beer of texas and i just love it because texas really does think of itself as like a nation like they love texas things they think of themselves as texans like more than anywhere that i've been like they think of themselves as like their own little nation they there are blocks of texas shaped cheddar cheese at the grocery store i'm not even kidding like it's a thing 
Um, and so, and, and they have a national beer. So like the, the way you might go to like the Dominican Republic and have an El Presidente, you can come to Texas and have the Lone Star beer. The Lone Star beer. It's funny. I, um, so just as a quick aside, because, you know, we don't have that much to say on this episode. I, <laughs> I listened, listening to myself on podcasts, which is not something I do all the time, but I tend to go and do quality control on our shows. I, I realized that I, I fucking hate my laugh, dude. I think I need to stop laughing right into the microphone and like move it back. I think it's super annoying. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to work on that folks. I, I don't know if that's, that's not a, like a problem anyone's ever had with it, but like, I'm definitely going to start like toning it back with my laughing. Anyways, let's, um, let's jump in. I mean, like there's just not mu- that much to say. Like, I think that the, the biggest talking point in Europe other than, you know, like just some of the big teams kind of getting back into their rhythm, PSG won, uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona both won. Bayern beat Dortmund in uh, pretty convincing fashion. And the fact is that Dortmund simply isn't as good a team as they were last they're, they're, year. They're just they're just not that good. And they're I mean, not that good. but like, Pulisic looks good in that game, though. Yeah, no, Pulisic looks good. He's good. I mean, they could use a healthy Reus back, I guess. But I don't know that team. That team just not. I mean, they're not. They're not the same quality as, as Bayern. They're clearly not the same quality as they were last year in the Champions League. Just look where they are, you know, tied with Apoel. Um, I mean, just said, the results say it all. They're just not that good. Yeah. So I think the the interesting thing in terms of this this weekend in the in in Europe was basically the kind of sense that everyone in the media has been getting, and everyone I think who's watching has been getting. And the question is basically what the ceiling is for this Pep City team, and I. I don't know what the ceiling is. They look really, really good. I mean, I wonder what's going to happen when they go to the continent and start te- playing teams that are as technically proficient as them. But I, I don't know. I don't know. They they beat up on Arsenal this week. There was a little bit of refereeing kerfluffle there, but they look like a, a team that could win at least uh, at least the EPL, if not a domestic or even in a continental double. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is a team that is setting up for an EPL and UCL double, right? At least a push for it. So I, they're already way, way, way ahead in um, in the Premier League. I think it's eight points now. I mean, they have 38 points to start the start the Premier League season, which I think might be the most of all time to start a season. It's something like that. Um, so, like, they've had a ridiculous start. They might already have – like, by time important knockout round games are going to come around in Europe – I think that City's going to pretty much have the Premier League in the bag, and they're going to be able to literally just rotate for Europe. And we're talking about a team that, you know, this week played Sergio Aguero for 60 minutes and brought uh, Gabriel Jesus off the bench. Like, that's the type of quality they're bringing in off the right. bench. I mean, it's, like, it's completely it's, ridiculous. It's the Real Madrid last year type of quality where, like, Madrid was so stacked, right, that they, they actually left Thomas Rodriguez in the stands for the Champions yeah. League final, right? Like. That is, it's a it's a stacked ass team, obviously because they spent a fucking shitload over the summer, and like they're yeah they they spent a shitload over the summer and didn't sell anyone, so like yeah they brought in a bunch of good players. I I've liked what I've seen from them. Um, I've I've also really enjoyed the kind of re rebirth renaissance of the Pep dick sucking media which is like a real big part of the media like i'm i and and it's like almost like a throwback it's a little too close for me to be a throwback but like it's almost like a 90s throwback listening to people talk about how brilliant pep is and like they they previously really hadn't been ever since he his 
largely unsuccessful tenure with Bayern where his teams were embarrassed by Real Madrid and Barcelona in the Champions League every year despite winning the Bundesliga. People kind of got off that train. People are all the way back on that train now, Evan. They are, and you know what? I actually don't get it because like I'm not I'm not saying Pep's like a bad coach or that he hasn't done a good job with City, but like when I watch City play, I don't necess- necessarily see a team that is like that that's dominance is due to like tactical brilliance. I see a team that has just a bunch of ridiculous athletes in the attacking band and they are fast and they're technically proficient and they are just killing people on the counter. Yeah. And like, I mean, sure. Yes. The, the coach has a role in setting the team up like that. Um, but like, I don't know when like Leroy Sané is just running past people how much? How much is of that is coaching? I don't right. know. No, it's it's a, it's definitely a question, and I wonder also. Like, I mean, look, we're we're at this point in the season where like it's very easy to draw really widespread conclusions based on what is fundamentally a pretty small sample size, and like, yeah, like right now they look unbeatable. But I and I, I tend to do this, man. I I want to direct everyone back a couple years. Real Madrid went on the longest winning streak in this sport in 2014-15 and it was from about September through about January Madrid won every single game they played including beating Barcelona and Atletico but but in January they lost and the entire bus fell apart basically and so they didn't win any we, titles that year I can bring it even closer to home last year City had something like a 9 or 10 match unbeaten streak to start the season they were in first place they were about to break the uh the Premier League record for uh, for consecutive wins or consecutive unbeaten streak. I don't remember which. Wins, and they ran into this. Arsenal did wins, the whole yeah. year unbeaten. Yeah, year. unbeaten. So, yeah, it was about wins. They had this huge winning streak, and they were about to break the record, and then they ran into this little buzzsaw called Tottenham Hotspur. Um, oh, yeah. Who, who beat the piss out of them in <laughs> about, about this time of the season, and City kind of fell apart. That was when Pep, everyone realized that Pep wasn't actually playing defense. Um, and they ended up finishing third, right? And so... I'm not saying that this is the same team that did that last year, and I'm not saying that that's going to happen to this city team. But I am. But people were talking about that team in a similar way, and you know, we'll see in the second half of the season if the or even in the next month and a half. I mean, like it's just the beginning of November now, folks. Like we yeah. still have all of like the, the now, important matches yeah. in November and December still to play. So like this could this narrative could change pretty quickly. And like now, I'm not saying it will, right, dude. I'm just saying like. We we have seen this narrative change very drastically for teams that people talked about in that upper echelon of teams, and and we have to just be cognizant of the fact that uh, our narratives don't like always hold up over the course of a year. Yeah, could I, it could it could absolutely happen. You know the uh, the reason why I think they have a chance for the double this year, where they ended up falling apart last year, is they spent so much of that money in fixing the defensive problems they have, right? They spent, I think, like 100 million pounds on just fullbacks so that they could play Pep's yeah. system. So they just have wildly better full. They actually have fullbacks now. Um, right. And, you know, that's going to help them play the kind of three at the back system they want to play and, and you know, and hold up over the course of the season. So we'll see. Um, I think that, you know, we were making lots of jokes about everyone handing the uh, – the Premier League title to Manchester United at the beginning of the season. Yep. This is why that was very stupid. 
because uh, this city team, at least right now, is just like stupid good. Right. And uh, so let's like moving on from that. Um, Chelsea had a very nice victory over Manchester United. There were calls for Conte's head. That's crazy uh, premature in my view. Oh, I think Conte's a brilliant it. coach. But well, yeah, of do course you want them to do it right because he's really good. <laughs> like He's a great coach. Uh, and let's just say Alvaro Morata scored a beautiful goal with his head. He yeah, he's the real deal. He's a Real Madrid fan who watched him all of last year. He's a great with his head and he's really strong center forward and Real Madrid really would have used him. That oh, more that, this so season. no, we should, we should talk about that header for just a second. That was header was ridiculous. That was from like the penalty spot and he rocketed yeah. that thing in the top corner. That was he's unbelievable. Good, man. He's good. He's, he's the real deal. And look, he got 1700 minutes last season. He was a, a player that on a lot of other teams starts and gets that many minutes. And so, he left Madrid because he, he felt underutilized, even though the minutes didn't bear that out. It was the feeling that he wasn't a starter. And that's someone who simply didn't buy into the Zidane-like rhetoric of, look, we're going to have a team where everyone is rotated and we can't feel that there are you know, like non-sit starters other than Cristiano Ronaldo and Kaylor Navas. And like that you know, is sort of where you know his, his head was, I think. It sucks as a Real Madrid fan, I'll say that. But it it, it, it is great to see him playing well. I and <laughs> and it's nothing less than what we expected. Um but you know, Mourinho is now coming under fire, the same sort of fire that Conte was, and Evan, I would note, this <laughs> this match comes only a couple days after it was reported in the press that Mourinho was planning on asking for a rather substantial raise in his contract. So two things. First off, just have to open this beer, and I was waiting for you to finish your talking there to do that. Well, I have um, a big sip of my moonshine now. Go ahead. Big old sip. So, so f- I think the Mourinho thing is interesting because so let's imagine what Mourinho's life looks like right now. If in the very plausible world, then instead of nicking a victory against Spurs in Old Trafford at the very end of that match, right? Instead of that. Spurs nick a victory. They put, you know, they put away one of their chances and come home with a one-nil victory. Um, and and then they and then United still goes on to lose to Chelsea. And now you're talking about a situation where he would have barely nicked a point against Liverpool, lost to Spurs, lost to Chelsea, with these rumors out there about all these other, you know, these other possibilities. And I think in that world. Like the chorus is even louder about yeah. about Marino's future yeah, and whether so or not his, his and and obviously that's that's not quite the world we're living in, but it's not. I guess the point is it's not far off. No, um, it's not like far when, off. When, when he lives, when he live, if he's going to live on the edge with these kind of defensive one 0 results, then there's always the possibility that he sh- that he strings together a couple of these goose eggs and uh, the, I mean it's it's not going to get quieter. Like this is no. Manchester United press and fan base are rabid and they're not going to stand for it. Right. And they're desperate for their club to regain some of the prominence that they've lost. I think rightly over the last 10 plus years. And they, you know, as they should, I remember when Madrid was in a similar kind of spot, not exactly because Madrid was winning a couple league titles in the midst, but like they were desperate for this, 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 you know, regaining of form. And it's just, really not quite there and I'm wondering at this point whether we have the question of whether Mourinho has really been able to adapt to this kind of modern game of you know a a different tactical setup that's begun to kind of reward teams that are a little bit more 
multi multivalent like teams that can attack but also understand when they can defend and Mourinho's teams have always been you know a certain style of tactic and I think over a period of time like unless you have the absolute best in the world you're not gonna get the best results with that with that team and like I'm not saying that Mourinho's team is bad I'm just saying that like I wonder whether a coach, a different coach with maybe a more modern, like Pochettino, I wonder whether Pochettino could do a better job with that roster than Mourinho, just because it seems to me that Pochettino kind of understands the modern game, the way the game has changed since 2007, you know, and since Mourinho coached Real Madrid in 2010 through 13. First off, get, get my coach's name out your mouth. Um, we do not need to be talking about Pochettino going anywhere, but no, I, I'm not saying he's going anywhere, my guy. Like, I know that's not what you're saying, but like, just for I what know. it's worth, his name is popping up in Madrid fans. I know right it's, now. I know it's really annoying. I need them. They, well, and oh, I mean, it's side note. It's just the annoying thing that anytime a, not the biggest club in Europe does well at anything. It's, it's constant stories of where their yeah, best dude. players are going where the coach going it's really annoying it's really lazy journalism it's stupid and i hate it um as far as like whether or not Mourinho's tactics are outmoded i don't know they are what they are he's only what two years now off of his last premier league title he still could very well possibly win one this year he he's like judging i mean anyways go ahead maybe it's serious judging Mourinho off anything where paul pogba's not involved is not a is not of course that's true yeah yeah this, this team this team is built around Pogba and needs Pogba. Pogba is somehow we all forget that Pogba is probably like a top five player in the world, at least. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be right. I mean, I, he's up there. Yeah, he's in the in the conversation. Certainly. I, I, I um, mean, I would rather have a number of other center midfielders than him right now, but not not like uh, it, it's like in the fantasy league. I'd rather have Modric right now. But I think if you're building a team long term, you'd rather have Pogba. Yeah, but and so I, you know we can split hairs on that, but you know he's still an incredible player, an amazing player, yeah. and they don't really have a replacement for him. And so you know, judging judging Mourinho without Pogba around, I think is is harsh. Yep, I think that's fair too. All right, let's um let's jump into MLS. Uh, so what we saw, like, okay, before we get into results, I just want to you know hats off to Andrea Pirlo. He announced his retirement after Columbus's victory. Well, Columbus's qualification to the semifinals over NYCFC. Andrea Pirlo, man, I grew up watching him. He's one of the greats. Absolutely, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, I, I think that the world is full of superlatives for him. I think, uh, you know, Clarence Seedorf told a uh, anecdote um, about him, about how, like, he loved that, you know, he would he would strategize these moves with Pirlo where Pirlo and he would exchange a couple of passes, then Clarence Seedorf would kind of pretend not to be making a run and the defense would forget about him. And then Pirlo would put a perfect ball over the top because Sadorf just began sprinting at the exact right moment and how they practiced that. And like, that is exactly what Pirlo did so much better than everyone else. Like he is the absolutely quintessential center mid in that, in that respect. I, I adored watching him. He beat my team a few times, but you know what? He was a hell of a player, World Cup champion, Champions League winner. Hats off to Andrea Pirlo. He's the man, and uh, you know, it's, it was a great year and a great era watching him play. I think the other, the same thing can be said for Kaká. I think right, he also announced his retirement, right? Yeah, so Kaká is calling it quits in Orlando. I think 
like a, I, I, I can't remember if he's like full on retiring or if he's going to go back in kind of semi retirement to Sao Paulo, which I think is his kind of original team. Um, and finish up yeah. there. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure which it is, but it, it's the same. Either, either way, it's the same idea, man. Kaká. Yeah. I mean, what can you say, man? He was the the preeminent number ten of his era, and people forget how much of a game breaking presence he was before his injuries and, and that that led to his decline. Right, like that. You know, kind of preceded his sale to Real Madrid, where he never really played up to his potential. But man, was he fun to watch! Also, and another Champions League winner for that great Milan side, like just, just, just an incredible player. So those two players who ended their careers at MLS, but we have uh, players whose careers continue at MLS. Um, Zach Steffen and the uh, Columbus Crew. On to the next round, despite a huge, huge scare in New York, my dude. Like that was not Yikes. a good game for the crew. No, so they so they were up four one on aggregate and went to New York and pulled out a two nil win or two nil loss, loss <laughs> to win to win four to three on aggregate, including and, I mean, it, it, including uh, yeah. a ball off the post in minute like seventy five for New York. Like, yeah, <laughs> it yeah, was so terrible. Be, we were both watching that game and that was and I think we were both pulling for the crew and it yeah. was it was nervy like they did not they they looked like a team that came in thinking we have a three <laughs> we have a three goal advantage all we have to do is not give up three goals then you give up two and then you're like oh shit we better not give up another goal right um it's just a whole different ball and game what really and- got me about that game Evan like the like so okay Let's let's just talk about how the goals were scored. It was a penalty and then a ridiculous deflection. But regardless, NYCFC had plenty of opportunities to score. I will note, though, that the crew had a number of one-on-ones with the keeper towards the end of that match that would have just put the game away. And they just brutally missed all of them and it was an it was embarrassingly bad like a couple of moments when the player either like tried to control it and slow it down instead of just taking a shot on goal when he was one-on-one with the keeper it was crazy i was i was very upset with the crew for those last that that that, the last 10 15 minutes of that match yeah i I was probably more struck with how bad new york played in the last 10 minutes of that match like they like they had a chance it was really awful. So, I mean, like, so the crew was just giving them all the space down the wings and trying to clog up the center. And, I mean, they were obviously just trying to keep Davi Villa from having the ball in the center of the park, which makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So, so the, the, you know, and they, they did cause NYCFC to do exactly what I think Columbus wanted them to do, which is pump bad crosses in the box, especially, you know, like, we were talking about your man Pirlo. Like, boy looked like. He has not. Yeah. He was definitely at the end of his career because he could not hit a cross. And on he also hadn't play. been. He basically he hadn't, hadn't played him, since played. like for the yeah. last ten plus NYCFC matches. They just yeah, brought yeah, him yeah. in because, well, hell, if they're going to let us cross, let's bring in the guy who knows how to cross. Yeah. But yeah, and the thing was, he just he just looked rusty, yeah. and he just couldn't. Nobody like they were just over hitting every cross. They were hitting crosses literally over the goal from deep. Um, it was just it was really really rough stuff, and I I just. I am. I know that they're trying specifically to keep David Villa from getting the ball at his feet. If you're Villa in that situation, you're on CFC. Drop deeper and collect the ball and go do something. Like you're yeah. the best player on that pitch by a long shot. Like it's not even close. And so if anyone can do something miraculous to get you a third goal, um, it's it's going to be him. And you know, just playing into their hands and just lofting thirty crosses into the box over ten minutes. Um, it was just silly. And 
it, maybe that's not so silly if you can actually put good crosses in, and they couldn't. No, they couldn't, and they didn't have anyone in the box who really seemed to be able to get on the end of the cross as much. Like, David V, let's just remember, David V is like 5'7", like 5'6". Five, five, like, he's not a tall dude, and I don't mean that tall, like, shorter guys can't get on the end of these balls, but, like, if you're whacking high balls into the into the area, you better have someone... I'm not saying you need to be Peter Crouch tall, but, like, you need to be someone like Rude Van Nistelrooy tall, like 6'2 or whatever. Because, like, if you're 5'7 jumping up against a 6'2 defender, you're not getting that ball 9 out of 10 times. It actually makes more sense to have someone take a 30-yard shot because at least that goes on net one out of every five times. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I was not— yeah, it was all gross. I wasn't a fan of, of any of the football we saw, but I especially just thought that NYCFC's approach was terrible. I, I mean, I just, ugh, it, these deep crosses, like these crosses from 35 yards out, I, I agree with you. Just move, just get in a little bit further and just put a shot in because you have just as good a chance as right. hit, of hitting someone's head. Anyway, so, uh, and like, yeah, and that's that's actually true too. Like, if you whip a shot in from that distance, look at what happened with NYCFC earlier in the match. Like they had a deflection on a shot that would definitely have been saved that bounced in. Like that just, that happens. You have more percentage chance of something kind of random. Look at, so what, one of the, like the classic examples of this, Casemiro had a hugely absurd goal in the final of the Champions League where he whipped a shot from 40 yards out that bounced and had this really weird spin on it. And it just the, yeah. like, got into the goal somehow. And like, you're going to have a better chance of getting a shot like that if you take shots instead of yeah. lobbing these shitty crosses to your short attackers. Yeah, I think that's true. But I also really, I'm just a firm believer in you're better off working good chances than you are just putting in these desperation crosses. It's like for each, for five of these or five or 10 of these crosses you put in, I think you're a lot better off working one good chance, right? I, just, I think so. Just, I will also say, I think that's kind of a modern tactical innovation. Like I, I actually think the era of football that Patrick Vieira, the NYCFC coach came up in, actually there was a lot, like a lot of like, just whack it into the box type of play, especially in England. And like that sort of is what NYCFC did. Like when you're trying to win a game with minutes left on the clock in England in the nineties, especially you just whack that thing up there and see if someone could like bounce that shit around and get stuck in the mud or whatever. And then someone knocks it in. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> By yeah, the way, like, everyone should follow the account Crap Nineties Football. It's the, it's the best Twitter account oh that's out. God. It's like it, that and nihilist Arby's are the best things going. Yeah, absolutely. Crap Nineties Football, man, it's my absolute shit. One hundred percent. You should also follow. By the way, um, just for what it's worth, uh, uh, a friend of mine and I are starting a column on the legal aspects of soccer. We're gonna get it. Um, we're making a site, but we're also getting it published in Howler Magazine. So like. Should follow us, Ballon de Order. <laughs> oh my God, that's real, Dave. man. That's you follow that at Ballon de Order. That's us. Um, so yeah, so check that out. All right, um, Western Conference. I, I'm sorry about the big sigh, but like this has not been a particularly interesting or exciting. Um, oh, actually, we didn't talk about Toronto, but let's just really quickly. I don't have anything to say about the Western Conference. They were really bad games, like really universally boring, awful. Bad. They were they were just terrible. They were terrible in the knockouts. They were terrible in the two-legged ties. They were bad. We were hoping at least to get a Cascadia Derby between 
Seattle and Portland. We did not get that. Yep. Portland did not deserve it. They lost a very silly, what it ended up being one, one draw and they lost two on, on a, or they lost on away goals. Yeah. Um, I- it was an infuriating in Portland. Actually, it was terrible. Yeah, that's what they did. That's what they did. And it was an infuriating uh, match to watch. There was a lot of diving on all sides. A lot of Ugh. Mexican players rolling around, holding their knees. I just it hated was, every second of it. It was awful. It was Let's talk about the most interesting thing that happened this entire postseason, other than Columbus, which is the big fight that happened in the tunnel during the Toronto Red Bull New York match that has left Josie Altador. Suspended from the from their match against Columbus. Jesus, I know. Apparently, the Red Bull players fucking jumped him. I don't know anything about what happened, but, but they jumped him in the tunnel, and there was a huge brawl. So there was like an argument in the tunnel, and then Josie fights with somebody. I can't remember who, and then we end up getting a ten a ten on ten match entire because the match rejects entire match ten on ten because Major League Soccer is incompetent. Well, and, it's so stupid. It's so no, no Europe yeah, would never you, have a ten on ten match no, because no, 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 of no. something you, that happened in the tunnel. It is so easy to know what you do here. You eject those players, and then they get to put a new player in the yes, starting lineup, and you play eleven v eleven without Josie Altour and whoever that right. ever else it was. Like that on red, that's, like that's what the you did. obvious answer. Um, so it's very silly. You also, I don't. I don't love suspending Josie for like, I don't, yeah, no one really, I don't really know a lot of the details, but I don't love suspending Josie for the final. I would prefer kind of doing what, you know, major league baseball did with the uh, world series suspension where they put it at the beginning of next season. That way it doesn't, you know, taint the playoffs, you know, really? I don't Yeah, that. I kind of prefer it. I, huh? I mean, I get it, but like, I think That's- that if, if you do something crazy, I mean, look, I don't think that Josie, that they like, I agree with everything up until this point, but I don't think that I, I think if you're fucking get a red card in the quarterfinals, you should miss, miss the first semifinal match. That's how we do it in the Champions League. Like, oh uh, well, yeah. If it, if it was a red card, I guess that's right. And yeah, I guess it is a red card. But I was just thinking of it more as like an off the pitch type of thing. No, no, no. Yeah. It was a fucking red card. That's why they only yeah. played with ten on each side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, like I said, I was just thinking of it in context of an off the pitch thing because that's how it should have been dealt with as right. an off the pitch thing rather than a. Red card, and I agree 100%. The rules on the red card are very clear. If you get a red card, you miss the next match. Right. Um, anyway, it's very silly. But, you know, on the other hand, I'm pretty excited. As much as I really don't care about anything going on in the Western Conference, I think Toronto versus Columbus could be a lot of fun. They've Both those teams have scored a fair amount of goals going through the playoffs. Um, you know, they, they've not been the, the snooze fest the Western Conference has no, hell been. Yeah, hell yeah. It's going to be so oh. much fun. Also because be uh, Toronto-Columbus in Columbus, that first leg, no Josie Altador, no Sebastian Giovinco for, for Toronto. I think that, you know, Columbus has two things that could happen. They could get a goal, snag a couple goals against Toronto and, more importantly, keep Toronto off the board. I think that's very possible. They removed the two biggest attacking threats on that, on that Toronto side. If they can hold their key, their their their, you know, if you can you can hold Toronto at zero away goals, I don't know, man. Like that that to me, that's that you know, and and grab one. If you can win one or two nothing in the first leg of a two legged tie, that's huge because all you need to do is nick one goal. Yeah, I mean that's definitely true. I think the thing to say is that Toronto has more squad depth than any any team in uh in the playoffs, I think, or in MLS, and and you know, so they have good attacking options they have an english striker ah shoot what's his last name wilkes i think um i mean i think that obviously columbus isn't favored but i think that these suspensions make it so that they have this potential advantage in a tie if they can keep no, toronto off the board 
No, hundred percent right. It doesn't hurt, and you know Toronto just barely slipped by on away goals um, against who they were playing. What Red Bulls? Yeah, Red Bull. Yeah. Um, so they just slipped by New York Red Bull on um, on uh, on away goals. So so it's not like they've been doing great. And you know the MLS playoffs are really really often come down to momentum. And you know you've got a Columbus team that they did just have their unbeaten streak broken, but. If we want to call the win in the tie overall, you know, maintaining the unbeaten streak, they're on like 12 matches now. Yeah, and they're playing for something that's a little bit bigger. I mean, like, they, they really have bought into the Save the Crew thing. Like, I think you're going to have a huge turnout at the at the match in Columbus. And it just, it's it feels like one of those moments where, like, in and, and look, they're obviously very vastly... Uh, in like overall as a team inferior this 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 Toronto side but like we've seen stranger upsets happen and it seems like it's definitely on the menu like it, this is the kind of narrative that you have in American sports that we talk about about how like these underdog teams when they have this kind of rallying cry can do it and i i would love to see it i mean I, obviously we would but like I would love I, I really genuinely would love to see what happens in MLS if Columbus gets to the fucking championship game when their owner is actively trying to sabotage them and go to Austin. I would love it. What what I want to see and what I would love to see is for MLS to get away from the two legged ties in the semifinals and the final conference finals. Um, it is they, these have not been good ties. No, and other than other than New York and Columbus, which shouldn't have been a good tie. Um, you know, because it started out, you know, four one on aggregate. These they're not these have not been fun matches. They haven't been they're just yeah. not good. I, I mean, I, I agree. I think on some level we have to just get rid of the we ha- I mean Americans we're just not really here for two legged ties. Like I don't think people understand away goals. Everyone thinks they're super stupid. I think they're not particularly well thought out, though they are, I think, a good way of breaking ties rather than going to penalties. Because let's be clear, you only get penalties in the second leg whenever you're at one team's uh one team stadium and penalties at a uh yeah, when you're away from home are actually quite a bit tougher. So I, I actually think that I kind of get away goals, but I don't think that American audiences get them or like them or appreciate them in any way. And that by itself is a reason to do away with these stupid ties. Like we get one and done tournaments and the drama is great. Like the drama of right. one and done tournaments is great, even though so, there's more randomness. So, yeah, so that's the thing. So in Europe, the argument against knock at, you know, single elimination over you know, two-legged ties is that it's too random, you know, in one game, anything can happen, you know, who has home field advantage matters a lot more. Um, and I think in Europe, they're just always, everything's much more about making sure the right team wins. Like, Oh, do we, you know, has the best team actually won? That's why they don't do playoffs for domestic leagues. Like, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? We are well accustomed in the U S to casino slot machine playoffs. Um, just look at the world series playoffs. Anyone can win. It literally means nothing. Um, and, 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 you know, it, it carries throughout basically all the sports. Some are more or less predictable. I mean, I think college um, basketball is the prototypical example. Yeah. Of this, right. Yeah. And we, and we freaking love it. It's like, you know, it's right. probably the, it's maybe the biggest single sporting event of the year. It's definitely up there. And so I think that there's nothing stop. I think, it, you know, for MLS to really appeal to American audiences is it just, yeah, this is the country where you can have a single elimination tournament. Yeah. These are the fans who are going to accept the randomness, but also really just soak in the drama and the problem is with these two-legged ties, the incentive is for the home team in the first tie 
to just set up and not give up an away goal and just play really negative defensive football and then try to snag an, an away goal in the in the return leg. And the, I mean, it's it's gross. It's boring. It's not fun. Well, it's just not an American thing. And I look, no. I um, I'm on I'm I'm on this I'm on this train for what it's worth. I just I also would say like we. <laughs> This uh, it's not that if for MLS to appeal, like I think that MLS is there. Like I, I, I gotta tell you, I think that MLS really has arrived. Like I don't, I don't think that we're at a place where we need to really worry about MLS arriving in this kind of bigger way. No, it's, like it's, um, it's, it's about, gro- it's about, but it's about growing it, now, right? right? Exactly. It's about appealing to the like casual fans, right? That's what in America makes the NBA or the NFL so much money. It's not the hardcore fans. The MLS has its hardcore fan bases. It's selling out these stadiums for the most part. You know, it's about getting the casual fan involved who in the playoffs will just turn on an MLS game and enjoy the game and kind of be involved at playoff time or in big games. And they're not going to want to turn on the first leg of a two-leg tie or the second leg of a two-leg tie where they're told that there's already an away goal on the board. And so it doesn't really matter who wins this game. To draw, you know, they, no, no casual American fan wants to hear that. And I know it sounds like we're trying to baby the American fan base, but I think it's more like you. these are choices you make with your league. Choose to match your league format to your audience. Right, exactly. There's uh, nothing wrong. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing anti-football about tweaking the rules of your playoffs no exactly all right shall we go to bad takes i think we need to go to bad it's bad take time all right so i told you at the beginning of this that we have a just world-class bad take so evan you want to set it up so i can get ready so what we've got here is we've got we've got the bbc um who's they're they're no stranger to bad takes they've They've certainly had their fair share. And they decided that it was necessary to put out, once again, our favorite bad take. The bad take, which lends its name to this podcast, which is the how can we make Americans like football take. Right. The and, let's and fix it, football take. Let's literally. Fix football take. It's, 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 it's about – it comes in various forms. It might be a question. It might be saying what can we do to make Americans like football. It might just be asking do Americans like football or will Americans ever like oh, it's football. it's so good, guys. It's so and good. This, this has made it that much better by not just writing the column that everyone writes when there's not much to talk about. It has made a video. It, it, and they it is sent fantastic. An American to the United States. I wait, actually I don't know where the hell she is. It doesn't so, matter. She's in she's in Britain. So she's talking about football and guess what guys? We have the video. So we're gonna just go through it. Uh <laughs> we're gonna I'm gonna just start this shit right now, all right? Like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk this shit through. We're gonna play it. Uh, on the show and, and just talk about it. It's classic. It really is. It's classic shit. Hi, I'm Mariano, an American in Britain. You literally cannot I'm... escape football here. Sorry, not that kind. <laughs> I'm just pausing it right there. So, so we should point out, just to let everyone know what's going on, so first off, our host's name is Mariana. Um, and she... Has point has said that in in Britain you can't escape football, but now now you got to understand she does she she doesn't mean the one with the pads and the oblong ball. That's what she wants you to know. But she's holding the pad. She's wearing pads and holding yes. an oblong ball. <laughs> yes, yeah, so she's wearing pads and holding. And she uh, throws American the American football. football into a soccer goal. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So we should. I, I just want to. It's. It just reeks of a sophomore year film stu- like communication <laughs> student marketing students project for the communications class. That's exactly what it is. Actually, I mean, I almost feel bad making fun of. No, you know what's on the BBC? It shouldn't. It's not. But it, that's what it feels like watching this shit. It feels like your buddies like project where they said do an investigative documentary about something in your community all right here we're gonna go continue this kind which we call this by the way soccer you're not allowed to say that here so so can we can we stop yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so i just want to point out and and this is just a pet peeve of mine soccer the term was invented by the english yeah it's this is such a dumb like english joke like I, I don't know what like what the point is of making that joke. Who cares if we have different words for the same sport? Like obviously, yeah, like it's obviously, just like cle- the Spain, England, French, they all have different words for it because they're different it, language. We have a different dialect it, of sport. Like in the U.S., we just call it soccer, which was the English word. It was an abbreviation for association in association football to differentiate it because it's clearer and it's easier. So if we say soccer, sometimes it's because we're in America, uh, and so there sp- most people. Most people, if you say football, they think American football. So, like, fuck off everybody who has a problem with soccer. Fuck off all you English people who think that you like to make fun of people who don't call it football. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. All right, we're, we're going to continue um, where she makes the best point yet uh, uh, of this entire thing, which I, I love. You're not allowed to say that here. I just don't get it. America loves Downton Abbey, the queen. Okay, 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 okay. This is my favorite point. This is like the classic thing that all these people do where they where they joke about or they they make their point basically entirely. Well, Americans like some English things. Why don't they like soccer? And like, first of all, Americans do like soccer, which amazingly she gets to in a second. But like the idea that you can compare soccer to. All right. Let's just be clear. It's extremely weirdly ethnocentric where like. You're comparing soccer to Downton Abbey and the Queen. But where that's the, the thing. The main the, reason people in this country like soccer has nothing to do with England. What the fuck? Well, also, okay, so the people who like Downton Abbey, that's not like all of America. That's a subset of America. A small bet you subset. A large, small subset. Bet, and I bet you that subset also likes soccer. I'm just thinking demographically here. Like, there's a good chance that those people have been to a Seattle Sounders game. Yeah. Um. Like and, and so like the people who like American football and don't like soccer and think that soccer is some little pussy sport, they also don't like Downton Abbey. That's a good point. They don't. They, <laughs> and not, definitely they don't they like don't, the Queen. And they don't like the Queen. They don't care about the royal baby. Like the closest they ever came maybe is they saw me post in their timeline <laughs> an Onion article about the royal baby. By the way, great. Great onion series about the royal baby. Absolutely, it's top the of the best. Line. It, it's it that or Diamond Joe are the best onion series. I'm not sure which. Yeah, I agree. All right, we're continuing. Potter, but not soccer. What's with that? What is with that? Like all good stories, this one starts in a pub. She's drinking Legend beer right now. A bunch of men, blokes, brought up the laws of oh association football <laughs> over a drink in England in 1863. These official rules spread across the English this kind. Which Oops, sorry. This, by the way. Hang on. All right. So, all right. Let's just let's just pause there because I accidentally hit the wrong button. But I will also note that she's taking a big slurp of a beer out of a plastic cup. So I, I just I just will say this. Every pub I've been to in England has not served beer out of a plastic cup. So, so Gabe, I like I like myself a good pub. 
I've been to a, I've been to a few a uh, few pubs in in Ireland and, and England and in fact I I think dare say that's what I did when I went to Ireland and England it was all kind of just both vacations were just sort of one big pub crawl I love and, pubs and I love pubs there's nothing like a good pub you know what I've never seen in a pub a plastic cup no that's what I'm saying no. like, I don't get this like okay whatever we're gonna just continue because I don't understand that either all right Netherlands France and beyond evolving as they traveled. Because of European colonialism, the game grew in popularity across South America, Africa, and Asia, but not in the United States, where it was beaten by another sport. Well, Rugby, which has this book to thank. When Tom Brown's school days. Took the U.S. by storm in 1857. It exposed everyone to the sport. Of the rugby, let's be clear. began adopting the rules of rugby football. Over time, this sport morphed into something a little less English. All right. Okay. All right. So now we're, we're a little less English. We're going to talk about American football, guys. Let's talk about American football. I, I want to note that the, the, the voiceover is talking about Tyrod Taylor, which is pretty I, funny. I also noted that it's hilarious. To 600 million. And it doesn't hurt that it's an American advertiser's so, okay, all right. What she's about to say is actually the most important point to me about American football. Okay. Nope, this is huge. This is huge. This, this is like real. The like, only this is a good real. point they make. I love you, halftime bathroom break. Look down, back up. Where are you? You're on a boat with the man. She's playing different advertisements. Let's go. Wanna game? Piece of fame? Got a name? So while soccer has halftime, American football has. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> halftime she put in air quotes so like every american sport has halftime just for what yeah, it's worth. also and it, well so i took it a different way I, w- I was wondering is she saying that in soccer they don't call halftime halftime like i was confused but, no, but they but, yes, do they, though everyone they do. They, they they do. Do. i mean they even put it at the ht right when you yeah. see the score scroller and if it's at halftime <laughs> and they call it halftime and sometimes it's called the break but and then but you're right it can't be the other way either because every single american sport yeah. that's not hockey has halftime no it's an incredible moment of just like that that i've noticed like going through this a couple of i've like obviously we prepped for this i watched this video a few times which you know you're welcome because this video is fucking terrible all right we're gonna hit anyway Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's be clear. So Europeans also uh, have, in a lot of their sports, timeouts and injury timeouts. In fact, I- even in soccer, we have injury timeouts in that the uh, the referee will stop play and people will run on. So literally, there is, like, there's no reason to, to define this stuff for people other than the fact that in most American sports, the clock stops running during a timeout. But that's the only difference. opportunity we also have drama tight pants lights halftime shows and really really big players okay okay hey, Gabe, um, there, Gabe, there is no drama in in european soccer and that's actually one of the things i hate about it is that there's never player drama there's never you know interesting storylines with who's going where what manager likes who um it's just also business-like so, and stuffy yeah, yeah, players just run out of the pitch and like handshake each other uh and have then agree and go home yeah, which side is going to win that particular match and then leave. I would also note there are no such thing as halftime shows in soccer, not like the one that we literally watched when we went to Bayern Munich, Real Madrid. I mean, like, they're, like the Champions League actually has halftime shows. They don't televise them, but they have them, right? Because now, there's a so, halftime. Like, God damn it. So, 
So what I love about this point, so basically your point here is that big thing that differentiates American football from European football is all the stoppages in American football. And that's true. American football starts and stops a lot. And they, and she's definitely correct. They shove an ad yeah. anywhere that they possibly can. That's the worst part about American football. Yeah. I don't know a single person who says, you know what I really love? How many commercials there are in an, in, in an NFL game. Yeah. Like everybody hates that. Like people who, who like American football like it in spite of all of the stoppages and commercials. Right. That's not why Americans so, like football. It's it's definitely a negative that everyone acknowledges. She glosses over, and we'll get to it, she glosses over the only actual reason that people would abandon American football as a sport. And we'll get to it now. Hi, Anne. Time and time again, people claim that this kind she of just football kicked a, finally a American, American football. Mainstream. It's never quite made it. We thought it had when the men's team made it to the 2014. I don't understand this argument. I don't. Okay, I don't understand this argument. It never broke in except for when it did break in in 2014. I don't get that. I don't get that. Well, well, this is this is the classic soccer is on its way thing that everyone just keeps saying, and then they just don't realize that you know they just haven't looked around and seen that it has. It is. It's here. Yeah. And soccer fever hit the U.S. Obama was a fan. It even made it to space. By the way, half the people playing soccer in that were from other countries. I'm just, I'm like, it has nothing to do with the United States. I'm just, I like, the the astronauts up there aren't all yeah. from the United States, so. No. But this time around, disaster struck. For the first time in 32 years, the team shockingly failed to qualify for the World Cup. A huge setback for the sport's growth in the U.S. That's not to say that there isn't an opening. Take youth soccer. It's massive in the United States. There are more than 3 million children on teams. Oh, Even I played. Pictures of There's her. There's another opening for soccer. Want to know why I'm not a professional NFL player? Apart from that. Her height. There aren't any <laughs> professional American football leagues for women. Well, there is one. The Legends Football League, formerly known as the Lingerie Football League. But seriously, women's football could be a way into the sport. The US okay, okay, I'm just going to stop it there. Like, I Look, I think everyone should be totally into women's soccer. I think Evan and I, we both really are. Like, we, we really do follow this shit. But, like, the idea that, like, women's football is a way into the sport as opposed to men's football because the U.S. men's team didn't make the World Cup is actually really shocking and, and I think a terribly bad take. Yes. <laughs> I don't mean that it's bad. I just mean like literally like this is an, an unbelievably no, bad take. Like just no, awful. No, you're right. It's completely asinine. Well, I mean every part of it is dumb, right? So for the first part of it is dumb is the idea that the U.S. men missing the World Cup is like it is not good, but it's also not like it's not some kind of catastrophic destruction of soccer fandom in the United States. Like so let's all just let's just calm down there. And then the idea that the women's game is some kind of, you know, backup plan replacement for the men's national team not doing well is also stupid. No, it's good on its own merits. It right. can find its own place in um, in the American kind of sports panoply. Um, and they're doing just fine without comparisons to the men's national team. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. Like, in fact, like the men's team should be compared more to the women's team. Like, and the fact is that she's, she's not off base in saying that 
the women's team is more successful. In fact, she's very correct about that. But what she's off base in suggesting is that the American men's team is for some reason like the the be all end all of the the soccer culture in this 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 country and that the women's team is only kind of a footnote when in reality actually the women's team is what drove a lot of people into this sport in the first place and she talked about how she played well that's partially because a lot of women started playing soccer after the american women's team started doing really well in the early 90s and so like it it just kind of belies this whole idea that american soccer culture is exactly a mirror image of other teams soccer cultures when in reality our soccer culture is actually quite a bit more based in the uh the the women's game in in fact to the extent that i would make the argument that it's actually more important that the men's or the the american women did not win uh they they didn't win the uh, the Olympics when uh, recently when they when they lost and everyone was quite disappointed about that in in soccer circles that I that I communicated with that sucked. Yeah, all yeah. Right. Let's move on. True. Let's move on. Let's move on. Her team has been extremely successful. They've already won the World Cup three times. Some of the top players have been snapped up by European clubs. As for the men, well, there have been big signings stateside. Thierry Henry, Bastian Schweinsteiger, David Beckham. Oh, and there is one more thing that could help football football dethrone American football. Okay, here it is. This is the most important thing that gets placed at the last 25 seconds of the video. A good old-fashioned health scare. God, I hate that so much. God. 111 American NFL players. 110 had a disease that is caused when you get hit in the head too much. Chronic traumatic encephalopathy so, so, is going to be the death of American football as we understand it. And she no, is so correct. Yeah, and she's also flipping about it, right? So, like, that's what pisses me off so much about health this. Health scare. Again, is, is, well, good old-fashioned health scare. Like, shut up. No, it's actually, like, really important. Um, it's a big deal. It could actually kill the NFL. And it could actually and – and soccer might incidentally – do really well in that wake or it might not because we might find out that heading the ball does exactly the same thing we don't know yet right um i i hate the entire treatment of ct here in the last 25 seconds it uh, just makes me feel like very gross yeah it does it, it makes me feel like cte is kind of like i don't know sars or one of these things that like only a few people get in a particular demo like that that and that can kind of be ignored that no it, it makes me you know what it makes me feel it makes me feel like don draper is advising the nfl in a boardroom somewhere like yeah. well have i got the, the the way forward for you a good old-fashioned health scare yeah no that's a really good or mls right and they're like oh yeah. well like we can make light of like this absolute epidemic like and she's she cites the study that everyone that that like really didn't get as much play as it should have which is that across demographics in in the of of brains of former NFL players across lot, like positions across races everyone had CTE everyone and like that is terrifying if you're if you're like if you're a parent talking to your kids and thinking about whether you want your kids to play football that study by itself because on top of that what she doesn't even mention is that college football players most of them had cte and even people that played football in high school had about 50 percent of them had signs of cte in their brains which is horrifying and so like yeah 
this is this is like the death knell of this this sport potentially right and evan we already discussed on this show that you and you you alerted me to it that they might be developing a test for cte in people who are alive yep it could that could end the nfl in a matter of years like if, if players can go and look and see and they can be told by a doctor this is the percent of your brain matter that is currently dead and this is how much is going to be dead if you keep playing for a few more years people are just going to they're going to walk like not everybody but enough that yeah, quality enough, of play like, is going to drop parents of good athletic kids because a lot of kids come up playing high school basketball football and baseball how many of those kids are going to go to one of the other sports instead right like and that that itself could just totally define an era in Americans. I actually do think that's the next step is that we have a CTE era in football, like we had a PED era in baseball anyway. So let's get, back, let's get back to this video because we're not done. We're not done. So it's not surprising that soccer is still hungrily circling the United States with 300 million people. It's a seriously valuable market, but what will it take? I just can't without the U S competing in next summer's world cup, Many are looking to 2026. The U.S., Mexico, and Canada have entered a joint... Wait, okay, okay. So she just says many are looking to 2026 while just getting past 2022 when the modern generation of stars will be entering their prime. So I, whatever. Like, I'm just going to move past because we need to end the show. But this is... I can, I'm can. i struggling to even listen to this shit, guys. Like, this is tough. Like, I fucking hate this shit. All right, go ahead. Bid to host. It's a golden opportunity god damn it ah. all right that um that's uh that's uh god damn it I, okay that's your bad take for the week i'm infuriated this makes me want to yell i just can't listen to this shit anymore like it's simultaneously like hitting the lowest common denominator of people in england while also like talking to like americans like they're beneath these people it's fucking infuriating <laughs> i can't it's listen all, to this it's, shit. it's all terrible it is it is an instant it's an instant classic in the genre of awful terrible miserable takes about americans interaction with soccer yeah it's it really is and it was making the rounds on soccer twitter so you can go follow and hear everyone's uh everyone else's takes but this is ours you've uh you've been listening to our you know, breakdown of this absolutely unbelievably bad video. We will tweet it out for you also. Um, yeah, so <laughs> that's where we are. It's international break week, so next week, uh, next week's show is going to be like kind of laid back like this. So if you have bad, uh, bad takes for us, shoot them over. Uh, yeah, we, we've got, we've got, yeah, we, I mean, we've got kind of a backlog of bad takes. So maybe yeah, we'll we have really a bad do. take on the show. Awesome. Oh, yeah, we can just do only bad takes next show. So if you yeah, have them, because there's not going to be anything else going on. So I think we just yeah. do a bad take show. Hell yeah. All right. So send over your bad takes. We'll do a whole show on them because we basically don't have anything else going on this week. All right, buddy, it was great talking to you. You too. Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
dream.